Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday morning. I'm trying to get back in the swing of things. Uh, I'm trying to do the Parsha today. Um, as I said, I lost a few days, if I can use that term, uh, over the weekend in Lakewood. I do want to thank, had a very good time there, had a good meeting with uh, my farm chatter, who gave me a guided tour, and uh, also with Abe Gluck. It was very nice to meet everybody. It's nice to put um, a face together with an email, you know what I mean, we don't, don't uh, see people in person, and uh, I appreciate it. Today's podcast is being sponsored uh, by family of a student of mine from Olonga, Gavriel uh, Rudnick, who's now, I remember when he was in high school from Chattanooga. Imagine the parents sent him away from that, that time to give him a Torah education, and the, you know they got payers from it, thank God. He ended up in Yeshiva in Israel, and, there, and, and I remember him in Nair Yisrael, and as the parents of Rebbe Hashem turned out well, that's true. <laughs> And he has a family, and they now moved to, uh, and they were in Chattanooga, and then in Denver, and now he, now he just moved to Minneapolis. And as the parents said, we'd like to dedicate a class in his honor. His family should be matzliach in all matters in their new home in Minneapolis. And to acknowledge the CMO Tamur. Tamur is not an easy mesechton. So a shout-out to Gavriel and family. And uh, it's so happy to hear that uh, you're able to give your parents nachas, which is not so common these days. So very good. Very good. Uh, very classy. Now, um, this week, of course, the Parsha Kiseitse. You know, I got weddings coming up and things. But right off the bat, you have one of the weirdest uh, laws in the Torah, obviously, with the Afas Torah. Isn't that right? The soldiers on the battlefield captures a woman. You do X, Y, and Z. Very uh, unusual. Very weird in a number of ways. Not necessarily the way you might think. Uh, although that's crazy also. Uh Nowadays, uh, uh, let me put it this way. Can you imagine a from Jew would be, I'm just uh, making this up, from Jew being the Israeli army, and uh, uh, they get, they capture uh, prisoners, and, and you say, like, well, here's the woman, you do this, that, and yeah. Went into the mind. One would think, went into the mind. Now, I don't want to be over nicey nicey throughout history. Unfortunately, captivity is what it is, and female captivity is what it is. That's a fact. And it goes on today in a lot of places. And, you know, there's no denying that. But you would expect the Torah to be talking about different terms, you'd think. But I'm not even coming from that aspect. I'm coming at it from a different and more weird aspect. And the following is what I mean. This is who you're bringing into the Jewish people. Imagine, you know, there's a difference that we're showing him. I'm sure you must be familiar with this to some degree. Um, some degree in, in, in Kedushin. Um, as follows. According to Rashi, which makes the most sense, is a soldier, is a war, is a captive female. Um, he's interested in her. So then he has to go through a whole decompression process. He can't lay a finger on her. You hear what I said? He can't touch no Bia Roshona. 
He has to then take her into his house. She has to go through the whole month of screaming and crying and disheveled and all the rest of it. And after that, if he still wants to do it, he can do it. At least that makes certain sense because what you're expecting, the way Rashi's presenting the scenario is, that most of the time the soldier will think twice and at the end not go through with it. You know what I'm saying? There's the passion of the moment. There's what we call the heat of battle. There's uh, the craziness of wartime. Okay? The craziness of wartime. Um, and all that stuff. And uh, But that comes and goes. Believe you me. If you know people that were in the service, and now it's been a long time since World War II and Korea and Vietnam and all the rest of it, what happened in the battlefield is something they're not proud of later on. Remember My Lai and all the massacres? They, terrible things happen in a war. That's just part of the war. You ever go and study what happened with the Marines were fighting the Japs in World War II? Each side got more savage than the other? This, this is how it goes. When those guys came back and rejoined society in America, for example, uh, they, didn't want, they had nightmares. It was a... It was a What's the right word? An ugly episode in their memory. It's not something they want to perpetuate. So same thing. Stuff can happen in battle. And the soldier loses his head. As the Gemara puts very famously, And the Torah is trying to accommodate or, or deal with the reality of the Yitzhahara. And so, what he's saying is like this. If you capture this female, you put her through a month-long process or whatever it is, more than whatever, something more, and if, when it's all over, you still want to do it, the idea is that most of the time, the, the soldier's going to say, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm not going to do this. Why am I saying I'm not going to do this? Because, and here to me is a major part, you break it, you own it. I remember when there was a question of George Bush Jr. going into Iraq, um, Colin Powell, the Secretary of State, said, I guess, you sure you want to invade over here? You break it, you own it. And boy, was that true. We owned Iraq. We had the insurgency. We had all those soldiers getting killed from the terrorism. <clears throat> and I don't think Iraq today is a much better place. Controlled by Iran, actually. And now I'm saying this when we're getting out of Afghanistan. No, it was a mess. And the idea was that war, I think uh, Small Nugget has that famous poem. At the beginning, war looks like a beautiful girl. Then when you see, when you actually encounter her, she's an ugly hag. It's a poem in Hebrew. And he was a warrior in the 11th century. So war sounds good at the beginning. But as everybody knows, it's not so good, Lamaisa. And so, in the case we're talking about, get real. Let's say somebody was a soldier. Let's say he went to war and captured a woman. And then he brought her back. She ain't Jewish. Let's say he's going to compel her or whatever. And according to certain opinions, I don't want to get too technical because it's very easy in, in Hilchus Yifas Torah to get very technical. There's Minachas Chinuch and all the rest of it. That's not for this audience. But according to some, you can force her to become Jewish, which is the only case I know of that type. You can force her to become Jewish. Usually, you, you know, it's got to be voluntary, a free will. But there's certainly a lot of pressure. She's not really Jewish. She doesn't believe in, in one God. She ain't into Avram Yitzhak She's a poor girl who found herself the victim of circumstances. That's called war. Imagine a Canaanite woman, Egyptian woman, whatever. She was married. 
This is the real life, I'm telling you. She had a husband, a family, this, that, and the other. Then came the war. These Jews came in. They wiped out her, all of her, her kinfolk. And now they take her off as a captive. Now, had she won, they would have done it to the Jews. But in the case I'm talking about, the Jews won. So they went to her. She doesn't want to become a member of Claw Yisrael and so on and so forth. So any kids they're going to have, they're going to be Jewish kids. They're going to be in day school. You see what I'm saying? They're going to be different. They're going to be trouble. As the Gemara puts it very famously, he's a smichlis, everybody knows about this, that first it talks about in this week's Parsha, the Afas Torah, and then right away comes Ben Soramur, the bad kid. Well, consider the family background. <laughs> How did your parents meet? Was it saw you at Sinai? Actually, we saw you at the battlefield. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The, the kids are like a disgrace. You're already talking about psychological problems of a great magnitude. And this boy and this girl is the one they're not ready for a shidduch for your kids. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, the thing is like this. So here's the soldier. I'm going like Rashi now. I'm going like Rashi. And he captures this woman, and he brings her back, and he goes through the whole dishevelment and this and that and the other. By the way, the Ibn Ezra says it's not dishevelment at all. The Ibn Ezra says, you know, while it's or nem, means she does herself up. She makes herself attractive. But that's not even the point. Here he brings her back, like I say, I'm just making this up. He brings her back to Vaidvagan, uh, and uh, a month goes by. By the end of that month, he's like this, well, I can go ahead and do this, but do I want to? Because if I break it, I own it. If I stay with her, we're going to have a family situation. In those days, he had polygamy. So I could to be married to a Jewish girl, happily married, and then I ran across this girl, and the battlefield, I'm bringing her home. Can you imagine what a korban you're bringing in? What a problem you're making? Now you're telling me like that, and then what? You're bringing strife. You're bringing idolatry. Remember, this woman never really had a profound spiritual experience that led her to be a Garrett Sedek. She's a victim of circumstance to battle. Had her side won, they would have killed all your kinfolk. Since her side lost, her kinfolk were killed. You think she's not going to cry? You know, it's a machlok in the Gemara. Is she crying over her dead kinfolk? Or is she crying over her idols? Her religion? It's all the same thing. She's nostalgic for the way she was brought up. I don't blame her. The Torah is not blaming her, you get? The Torah is saying it's natural, it's understandable that people feel nostalgia for what they were raised in. Now you're telling me she's got to be Jewish. This same soldier I just described, I'll bet you money, says, you know, I'm not going to go through with this. Heck with it. And it says, low to Samarba, then you have to let her go. You can't enslave her. Say, at least I'll make some money on her. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, you have to let her go. Tacha says, she ain't saw. The Rambam in the Murnabuchim, who tries to put as nice a spin on it, I guess, as possible, tries to emphasize the fact that you have to treat her with a certain basic uh, morality. And this is reflected in the fact that, you know, you're not allowed to sell her or hurt her or anything like that. Uh, the Rambam says, I'm reading a paraphrase. Lo Lo 
One would think, the Rambam says, in the Mornevuchim, where he's giving his philosophy, that the Torah is simply speaking to the animal lusts of the soldier. Like you read the Gemara, you know, can't control himself, at least do it this way. Ulam lozu kavanosam. But that is not really what the Torah means, the Rambam argues. That's how the, the Torah operates. I don't know if I agree with this 100%, but I'm just saying what the Rambam says. And he, and he sets up over there that the Torah is trying to show you a proper conduct. That even this woman, uh, even if a person is overwhelmed by the lust on the battlefield, and he can't control himself, there's a way, there's a protocol. You don't just let yourself become a, a behemoth. It's a protocol. You do it in this and this way. There are rules. Because the Rambam holds that you can't do it in a battlefield. He has to bring her home to his house. Not in a priest's dick away. And he can't hurt her physically. And afterwards he has to give her a, a month to you know uh, mourn her past and so forth. And you can't force her. And uh, you can't turn her into a slave. You can't sell her. All these are supposed to show the fact that we're trying to regulate the Yetzirah. Not give in to the Yetzirah, but to regulate. It's an interesting approach. Like I say, I don't know. It doesn't sit so well with me. But it's an interesting approach that the Rambam wants to emphasize. It's not giving in to the Yetzirah. It's regulating the Yetzirah. You understand? Uh, you know, like you say with drugs. You don't prohibit the drugs, but you regulate them. You know, that sort of thing. But Overall, it's weird, because why do we want this trouble? If you go like Rashi, so the Torah is trying to minimize the incidence of these things. As I said before, in real life, this guy brings the girl back to Bayevagam, this guy brings the girl back to Brock or anywhere, the relatives get together and say, what do you want this shiksa for? The elders get together and they say, what do you want this problem for? The other ones get the, the rabbi gets involved, the neighbors get involved, and says, What what do you want these you're gonna raise kids with this woman? Yeah, let her go. Let her go. And the situation I'm talking about, what's gonna happen in a normal course of events is that the guy will say, Yeah, forget it. So it's true if you if the person wants to, Rashi lays out these protocols, you know. There's a you know, after the thirty days are over, then it can have the Bia Rishona and so on and so forth. But the way I understand it is that's not going to happen much. I mean, why would somebody want to bring this mess into his life? Uh, there's a difference between the lust and marriage. There's a difference between the battlefield business and another battlefield business. If you go like Rashi, the soldier on the battlefield cannot lay a finger on any girl. You understand? I remember when the American Army lay in Japan... In 1945, when they won the war, MacArthur got off the plane. He said like this, any GI that touches a Japanese girl against her will, it will be shot or hanged. He said, I don't want any trouble with the Japanese over that. And he was very successful because he respected that. He was very, very successful. Now, um, here also, the Torah saying like this, get your hands off. I'm going like Rashi. Get your hands off and... Only after you go through this whole uh, process. And chances are, as I said before, that nobody's going to want to go through with this whole business. After all, if the soldier's married, so what does he need this for? And if he's not married, 
get married. You know what I'm saying? Get married. I mean, imagine these, this guy goes to shul or whatever it is. Where'd you meet your wife? In seminary. Where'd you meet your wife? In the mountains. Where'd you meet your wife? You know, in the, in, in saw you at Sunday. Where'd you meet your wife? Well, actually, I captured her on a battlefield. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I doesn't want that. So I'm trying to say that you make a gap between the immediate physical and the lamaisa, the long term, which is really very smart. Because they said before, at the beginning, war seems like something attractive, but then when you think it through, it's not attractive. This is the history of all the experience of people in the war. And that's why, and I've said this before, at least in my experience, I think it's true, if you ever talk to people who were in the service, but were not in combat, they like to talk about their days in the Army, the Navy, whatever. But if you talk about people who were in combat, in my experience, and in my lifetime I've known many people who are veterans of World War II, Korea, and that sort of thing, they never want to talk about it. Because what they saw is just unpleasant. You know, they, they don't want to talk about it. That's the nightmare business. You see? So, I bring back a trophy from the nightmare. However, if you go like Tosus and the Rambam, they say you can do the first B on the battlefield. Let's go like Tosus. He says, very weird. If you go like Tosus, he's, he's, he's not like the Rambam. He's saying it's not regulating, it's giving in to the Yitzhara. But at least in a limited way. Soldier sees a girl in battlefield, he can't resist himself, he does whatever he does. But then, if he wants to go through, then it's like Rashi. And keep her, and you have to have the whole 30-day process, and the weeping, and the dishevelment, and all the rest of it. Once again, with the general idea, probably won't go through with it. But maybe he will. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem. Basically, there are four sheets on this. Like I say, there's Rashi, Rebbeinu, Tom, the Rambam, and the Tosis read. But, you know, I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty details. The main difference, as far as I see, is this business of how you understand the regulatory process. In each case, you have the weird business that you're introducing into the Jewish people a cancer, a whole mess. Because the kids that are growing up from all this are not going to be an asset to the Jewish people. It's going to be the opposite. Which is why it's very interesting to me, um, and all you have to do is pull the mitzvahs and melech out, and you'll see all the sheetahs, that um, if you see this, the Achronim, um, I'm just going to touch on this, talk about the fact, what's the status of the children? Because it would seem that the kids are Jewish. Once you convert, certainly. Or am I wrong? Basically, what's being raised in the Rishonim and Achronim, when it comes in connection with Yifas Torah, is the extremely fascinating question, which to my mind is larger than the specific law of this captive woman, and that is, can Judaism be forced from somebody? Is Judaism a belief system or is it a nomian system? Is it a system of practice or a system of beliefs? Ordinarily, you would say that Judaism is a system of belief. Obviously, it has a very heavy nomian, um, you know, Component. We all know the Jewish religion is nuts over laws and regulations and ceremonies. Tariyag misses Tariyag times Tariyag. Yes, but at the core of it is a belief system. 
That's the problem with conservative Judaism. That's why I've never gone anywhere. They say, well, we're into the nomism, we're not into the fundamentalism. Yeah, but then you're not really into anything. It never really works. You can't be an observant Jew. Keep all this stuff. Or even a, a, a large percentage of it, because nobody keeps everything. Nobody's perfect. Uh, as the, uh, what's the name, as the Marit says in his book on Chuba. But you try your best. But without a belief system, it doesn't make any sense. And here you're telling me you were giving a, a case, certainly according to Tosas and, and the Rambab, where you're forcing her, Tosas anyway, where you're kind of forcing her to become Jewish. Which means what? Not according to Rambab. Which means at the end of the process, the husband said like this, is you got you got to become Jewish. Well, she, she's submitting to, to, to force. And so what she's saying is like this, I'll do what I'm told. I'll keep Shabbos, I'll keep kosher, all the rest of it, because I got to. But I really believe it's my business. After all, she spent a month mourning over her gods. So if mourning over her gods means mourning over them and getting used to the idea that she's departing from them, that's one thing. But if mourning over means she's mourning bitterly over the fact that she's no longer be able to worship her gods, then it's really there. And how's she going to raise her children? You know what I'm saying? So what are you introducing this whole thing for? So that raises the question, as I said before, if Judaism is not just a belief system, if Judaism is not a belief system, it's a, if, it, if it's a, 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 a nomian system, a practice system of laws and, and regulations, then it's crazy. And listen to this. That's why it's so interesting to me Ein Bavni Meluim, you know, the Avni Meluim was the Ketos, Shekosib Ashitis Rashi, the Gamla Achra Geris, a dying Goy Gemurhi. That even when she converts, this is a very weird kind of lumdus. She's still a guy. I repeat what I just said. She converted, but she's still a guy. Keeping the Geris Balkarchahu, because the Geris was forced in her. To obviously, the Ketos, the Avni Meluim, is assuming what I said before. That Judaism is a belief system. You believe in one God or you don't. And so we're creating a, 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 a something extremely weird, which is somebody who was Magyar, but is still a guy. But how did Kedushan Tosimba, what about the fact that it says, Acher King Tovalil Balto, then you can marry her? Whoa! You're telling me that you're creating over here a special category of halacha, which is, a Jew can marry somebody who's not Jewish. It's exerus akosim. This is an exception to the intermarriage. I repeat, this is not me talking, this is not me maluim. It's an exception to intermarriage. Ordinarily, a Jew cannot marry somebody who's not Jewish. When I say cannot, I didn't say may not, I said cannot. Because as everybody knows, I'm sure whoever's listening to this, there's no Kedushan Tosin Ball. See, even if a Jew went ahead and, and married someone who was not Jewish, let's say a Christian, just off the top of my head, or any other religion. And even if they had Chubbuk Kedushan, and they had a whole ceremony all the nine yards, the marriage doesn't count. Because the only time a marriage counts is if both parties are Jewish. But there's an exception to that. And that's the Fas Toar, according to Avni Miluim, and the Divri Yechesk also, by the way. Which is, She's not Jewish, but since she underwent this whole ceremony, 
So the Torah says in this case, after she spent 30 days in her house and cut her nails and all that business, you can marry her. So then you have, how should I describe it? You have a a case where they're his, I mean, they're his biological children, certainly. But they're not his halachic children, even though he's allowed to marry the mother. Isn't that weird? Again, the gam la'achar geiris adayin goyi gemurhi, kivin the geiris balkarchahu, v'had the kedushin tovsim ba, hanugzeris akosuv, the afti goyi mahanib kedushin. That is <laughs> extremely kind of weird business, and therefore, meyata kosel adas rashi, bein hanoli mimeno, the children that he will have, af la'achar geiris, inu beno. So they won't be his children. Are they going to be Jewish, not Jewish? The, the only advantage I see to going to this Mahalach is that these children will not go to day school. You understand? There'll be a weird category. Their parents are allowed to be married, intermarried, if I can use that term. Um, but the children will be some kind of intermediate between Jewish and not Jewish, you created a Gansa mess. Now, this conforms with the famous Gemara that I think I mentioned last year, somewhere in the middle of Kedushan, Sanhedrin also, that King David, because we know this happened, you know, when it comes to Mansar um, Murr, some claim it never happened. But it's, according to Chazal, it's well known that King David and others had Taurus. He was criticized for this, perhaps. When his son rebelled against him, there's a whole colloquy with his buddy, uh, what's the name, Chushay Arkid, what do you do this for? But he did it. He certainly had his share of battles. Now, they raised children. And I don't want to get in the Tamar Parsha. I think I spoke with another time. I'm speaking, trying to approach this in a more broad way today. It says that he and his fellow soldiers had X number of children this way who were indeed raised like Rottweilers. It said they're Masapur Kumi, that they uh, dressed in a Gaisha style. They're raised like uh, killers. And they were Bali Agrofen or something like that. They were the hit squad, the killer squad of King David's army. Meaning they were raised to be extremely vicious. But he thought he's beating the system because he's raising to be extremely vicious and they'll, then there'll be the vicious battalion in the Israeli army. They'll be fighting the Arabs. They'll be fighting the enemy. You know what I just said? He thought... It, it, it's. Let me put it this way. You see the seeds of Shlom HaMelech in David. Shlom HaMelech thought he could you know, beat the system and he sinned grievously. King David, his father, also thought he could beat the system, didn't sin that way. It didn't come out as far as we know, like happened with Shlomo, they had married wives, they were going and all the rest of it. Although you never know, you know, if they were fast Toars, but Shlomo was more complicated, more, more negative. But David also, you see something weird over here. Because he knew the din, and he had these children, 
they weren't raised from. They dressed Gaish. They were big warriors, killers. And he used them as the frontline soldiers in his army. That's what the Gemara says or something like that. So what the enemy, I think Rashi said, when the enemy sees them, they will be disheartened. Because, haha, we got these kids from your women. In other words, he used it as a psychological tactic in the battle. Who is a more experienced word than David? Nobody. So look what a complicated web we weave when we practice to deceive. You know, it's 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 uh, very strange. And uh, if you go like the Rambam, as I said before, so, uh, you know, it's all in the Gemarian condition. If you go like the Rambam, so he says, uh, he said they do it once on the battlefield or you know, in a private area. In So according to Rambam, the, the soldier does it with this woman. If she, according to Rambam now, if she says at that time, I'm willing to become Jewish, then, then the whole process is over. Then she immediately goes to Mikvah and becomes a Jew. Right? So, according to Rambam, he said, listen, get over it. She's going to be a... Uh, you're going to have such a wife. You're going to have such a wife. Im lo kiblo? According to Rambam, suppose the soldier did it, and she was just a victim of battlefield sexual violence, but she doesn't want to become Jewish. She sits in his house. So in other words, he takes her home for 30 days. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Imagine, do you live in a house? Apartment? Let's say you live in a house. <laughs> you come back from the war. Who's this? Well, I picked her up on the battlefield. She's staying here for 30 days. What's your wife think about that? And if you're not married, what does your mother and father think about that? Where's she going to stay? Well, she'll stay in the in in, in the basement. <laughs> no, no, no. She'll stay. We have an apartment in the in, in the garage. You hear what I'm saying? It's nuts. But okay. She cries about her parents. And she also cried about her religion. I'm reading it from the Rambam. So she's saying, oh, I had a wonderful religion. I was into Baal. I was into Asherah. I like this. I like that. I like the human sacrifice, where to go. I like the orgies, where to go. Oh, it's terrible now. Da, 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 da. All that, is, it's all gone. And basically, you let her stay in your basement, and you hear her screaming and crying over her religion for 30 days. This is nuts. Oh, my God. And he let her get disheveled and all that. So that she won't look so pretty anymore. The Ram goes like that. But Tia Mabais. And she's living in the basement. Nichnas Varoasal. Yosef Varoasal. Whenever she goes and comes, he sees her all the time for 30 days. Screaming and crying. Hopefully he becomes uh, disenchanted with her. The scenario I just laid out is not a romantic scenario. She's in the basement. Or she's in that special bedroom. And she screams and cries and this, that, and the other. And by the way, she's not Jewish. So she can say, I want to order McDonald's. You can't stop her. 
Kedesha Tekabo. And during this time, if the guy wants to go through it, and you see, the hope is, after a day or two, he'll say, you know, just go. Just go. It was a bad idea. I'm sorry about the whole thing. I'm not going to sell you. I'm not going to hurt you. Here's car fare. Go home. Go wherever you want. It was a war. It was a bummer. Go back to your people. Done. But meanwhile, if not, he tries to convert her. If, he, if he's infatuated with her and he wants to go through with this in all purposes, he tries to get her to convert. In Kibla Varazaba, if she agrees, Miss Gayeris, then she goes to the Gayeris. So, all from the, from the first moment to the end of the month, if any at any time she says, I'm willing to convert, then she does. And it's actually three months. A month to scream and cry, as we'd say today, for emotional. Another two months. Then he marries her. If he doesn't, then she goes home. Okay? Low Rustal is Geyer. What is she stubborn? She says, I don't want to be Jewish. Listen, I don't blame her. Why do you want to be Jewish? Why should you want to be Jewish? It was taken in violence. Magagal Hashem Chadashim, you give it 12 months. Low Rustal, what is she, this is the Rambam, I say. Well, she, at 12 months, she tells you, I don't want this Jewish stuff. It's not, not what I want. Mekabel Shab Mishim Bnei Noach Mashal Chanashal. So since this is the Jewish religion, we say, honey, you have to promise not to worship idols anymore. Because in the Jewish religion, what can I tell you? We we are opposed to anybody in the world worshiping idols. Okay? If you're a Maimonidean, this is tough. We don't allow you to have polytheism. You follow? Polytheism. We um we insist you become a monotheist. Now, I'm sure if she has a half a brain, she'll say, yes, I'm a cobble to get out of there. Then she goes home, and then she's a non-Jewish, uh, you know, monotheist. And he won't marry her. And so on and so forth. Right? Um, and anyway, I don't want to go through all the other uh, details over here. But this is the Ramba. If she says no, I'm so attached to my idols that I don't want to give it up. You kill her. Harginosa. Uh, that's because the Rambam says, you know, uh, nobody in the world is allowed to worship idols. And even somebody's not Jewish can't do so. If it's within our power, we will give them the ultimate punishment. They don't want to do idols. I can only conclude from all this that we have a, a, a weird uh, uh, halacha here which is due to the weird nature of war itself. As I said before, there's there's an attempt, at least, as far as I can tell, to separate the romantic side, the phony side of war, from the real side of war, the movie part from the other part, the pretty part from the ugly part. It seems to be that we're creating a monster... And this did happen in Judaism. I can only surmise that the Torah is relying on the community to sort of pressure the soldier. That's the idea of bringing him back to his house. The Ramos says he can't even do the bee unless it comes to his house. 
even according to Rashi, got to bring to his house. What's the business of always his house? His house, his house. His house means he lives in the Jewish community. Living in Jewish community, you're relying on the rest of the people to come over and talk to the young man and say, listen here, this was just not a good idea. This is not somebody you really want to marry. You know, maybe you're infatuated with her. I understand that. This and the other. This is not a good idea. If the guy's already married, they definitely have an argument, <laughs> right? What do you want to mess up your wife for? You have two beautiful children already. You have three kids at home. You have four kids at home. In the old days, you might have two wives already, you know? What are you introducing this business into your house for? And you're relying on the community pressure to make sure this doesn't happen. There are rules and regulations like the Rama lays out what if a guy goes ahead anyway. The person that goes ahead with this process is a little bit nuts. That's him? No, he ain't normal as far as I can see. Dibber so hard over here means Dibber the, the person who's who's in such, um, uh, uh, what's the right word? He's so controlled by his Yitzhar that he cannot think straight. I don't mean the moment he saw in the battlefield. I'm talking about in life. Dibber Tokenegi makes more sense to me. The Yitzhar is telling a guy, why are you getting involved in something that's ruining your life? What do you want to do that for? You understand? Uh, if he will not allow, you know, the community, common sense, his relatives, his mother, fathers to get into all this, then the guy's a, 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 an idiot, you know, then, then he's Takawira. Then that makes sense. Uh, so, what you end up with is, as far as I can see, you created a permanent lobby of the women against wars. Because what wife wants her husband to go off to battle and he might bring home who knows what? Uh, I am sure that the Jewish soldier of old went into the battle his mother, his wife, his children, so I guess. I hope you come back well and alive. Come back alone. Come back alone. You create a whole lobby, naturally, against this. And in that regard, I guess we can hope to say this happened, you know, very, very rarely. But you end up with a, with a, with a strange din, especially as they say, with the Svar of the Achron and the Avni Milun, there's a guy, but you're allowed to intermarry them. Uh, if the person doesn't see the problematic and all that, then there was something wrong with his upbringing in the first place. Anyway, that was just an idea. I had it once again. I want to thank the Rudnick family. I wish Gabriel's family all the Hatzlachal. And with that, I wish you a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.